up, y'all? My name is Peter. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift Bro, Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. Today's episode is going to be Peter and my reaction to our conversation with Sonia Renee Taylor. And so, Peter, how'd you feel coming out of that interview? Whew. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. Just like, I don't know, like after we did that interview that day, um, we also went to a speaking event with Sonia Renee Taylor, and it was just absolutely mind-blowing how much of a genius she is when it comes to answering questions on the fly. For sure. And like, I'm sure she's heard it all before. I mean, she's a poet. So just the way she could answer questions and make it how it could resonate with me and how I could understand it. And I think that's like the divide between how I understood the hollow masculinity archetype with you versus her. Right. Not not to on you, Carl, but she explained it a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I think her ability to be grounded in the work that she's doing is super impressive. Like I even looking like when I was editing that interview, her sound waves are so much denser than ours. Like there's there's this energy about the way she presents that really displays the power of this process of radical self-love. And so I think one of the things that I really picked up when we were talking with her was her having to continue to tell us to stop calling it empty Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the construction of masculinity. And so it's less about like, I think, emptiness. She's like, there is a real you down there, the three-year-old you who loved everything and thought everyone was awesome and had his own like desires and likes and dislikes. It's there. Yeah. It's just... You got to find it. Yeah, I thought of the metaphor, like the hollowness of it as more of like, it's just like the structures that you put inside of yourself that may cause internalized oppression and for you to like contribute to structures of oppression, Mm -hmm. like that becomes so vast inside of yourself that it's almost impossible to find that three-year-old self that you're like, oh, everybody's awesome. I'm awesome too. For sure. I had a hard time categorizing what we were talking about in this particular podcast about men and body image, right? And her conception is like, it's not body image work that we're talking about because body image is always relational. Like body image is about how we compare our own selves to others. Mm -hmm. And then the position that a lot of men, and so that means we're socialized into a bodily hierarchy. Yeah. And so the position a lot of men find themselves in, cis men, is a position of power. And that means that we don't necessarily have to really think about body image as a form of power necessarily. And I think that's why I was really struggling the first time we tried to record this episode is I was missing that particular connection or the language for that particular connection. And Sonia was able to connect that for me. Yeah. I remember when we were started recording like a preview for the episode. And personally, I had no idea what to say. Because when I think about body image, it is very just like one dimensional of Mm -hmm. just like, this is your body and you feel bad about it kind of thing. Yeah, or good about it or whatever. Yeah. And so how she framed it was like this idea of radical self-love goes beyond the physical body and goes more into like your soul, your personality and having to do some searching on that front. And like she connected it so well with like what we're trying to do with like masculinity and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, she brought up like some points that I was just like, damn. <laughs> and that's why I said in that episode, I'm having an epiphany right now. <laughs> just being in a room with her for like 30 minutes, yeah. like not even that long. And me just being able to learn as much as I did and even have more questions now than I ever had before. 
is kind of spectacular. Indeed. It's pretty deep. Yeah. And like in her book, one of the things she says is living a radical self-love life is a process of de-indoctrination. And so I think her mm-hmm. philosophies around body image and what we're told about our bodies and how she talked about oppression plays out on our bodies. Yeah. For men in particular, and then, you know, as you stack dominant identities on top of that, she made the point that if you feel uncomfortable in spaces where there are a lot of marginalized groups, right? Like in a space of all women or in a space of all people of color. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of white people in particular have coded language of like, don't go to that bad neighborhood, right? Yeah. Like there's, there's ways that we speak that identifies discomfort, but then we're able to distance that discomfort from our identities that we hold mm-hmm. um, as it relates to power and privilege and systems of oppression. And so I think I'm still struggling with the body is not an apology and radical self-love as a launch point for uh, able-bodied, heterosexual, white, cis men. Yeah. Because it sounds like there needs to be some level of awareness of your privilege in that process to really start engaging in searching for that lost three-year-old self in order to become like fully human. Yeah. The thing that I think struck me after hearing that a second time is like when we were talking about distance mm-hmm. as it relates to dominant identities, right? Like you, I thought you were really like astute when you said there are men who always and white men probably oh yeah who always defend themselves like i'm not just a white man it's pretty clear that white men now have a sensibility that it's bad yeah. <laughs> um and she even made the joke like if you don't know like you are choosing not to know about systems of white supremacy definitely yeah and patriarchy which i thought was really powerful but we're that's still a very big barrier that we're facing on our everyday lives and so The way I related that particular process of white men distancing themselves, for me, like the way men of color employ distance from systems of dominance like Mm -hmm. patriarchy is to say, I'm not just a man. I'm a man of color. And that way it sort of escapes the responsibilities that is felt for the privileges that you receive as a man by saying that you don't receive privileges because you're a person of color. And I think that's where it gets really tricky because it's, I think it's, it's really easy for us to target someone with only dominant identities Yeah, and say like, you're distancing yourself from the problem to bring it home and say, where am I distancing the problems that I am causing Mm -hmm. and using radical self-love to explore that has this weird conundrum of like, I have to continue to the self-education and also like find who I am through that. Like there's, yeah. there's plenty of times that I've done gender boxes and there are men that come up to me after seeing that and they go like, wait, if I were taught to like sports and I think I've said before, I don't actually know if I like football. Oh, okay. But I absolutely follow it. And like, I feel like I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that was taught to me. Yeah. I don't know if I was born with, I like football. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid uh, back in elementary school, I had no idea the rules of football. Like, I don't know what first down, second down, touchdown, (laughs) whatever any of that meant. And so back on the playground, that was the only game that like boys were like, quote unquote, allowed to play. Okay. And so people are like, Peter, why don't you play football? And I was like, because I have no idea how to play it. (laughs) And I would just be like doing something else. And like people would make fun of me. They're like, even the teachers were like, you don't even know football. Hasn't your dad taught you how to throw football or like taught you the rules? I'm like, no, we're more of like a baseball family. And then (laughs) I would get a lot of 
for that. I still get a lot of <laughs> for that. <laughs> well, that's, I think, another example of how traditional masculinity impacts your body negatively. Yeah. Right? There are certain expectations that you have to live up to that you didn't, and it caused harm ultimately. So really digging out, I like baseball, I'm going to stick to it, is a process of radical self-love. And I don't know how to distance liking baseball from a heteropatriarchal white supremacist capitalist society. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I mean, again, you said this raises a lot more questions than answers for us. And I think that's the point. But oh, definitely. And now we're just kind of processing out loud again. Yeah. (laughs) Going back to like football and stuff. I mean, people thought that innately as a boy, I should know what football is. Right. And in reality, at that time, I was I was like eight at the time. (laughs) Like, give me a break. I I have I don't know who the Broncos are. Whenever they would show up on screen, I'd cheer for the other team just because like, (laughs) I don't know. But like, I don't know. So many people were just like you're supposed to know this. And I'm like, well, and then Sonia was like, well, you're supposed to know yourself first. Right. And I think that's what's lost because people think that this idea of masculinity or be treated and acted as a boy is supposed to be innate. When in reality, radical self-love and this idea of thinking you're awesome when you're three and thinking everyone else is awesome when you're three, that's the innate part. Mm -hmm. And masculinity and all that stuff is taught to you. Right. And I don't know, going like... When you said those white cis dudes talking about like I'm I'm more than my identity, I think all the identities like I am a father, I am a veteran because I hear a lot of veterans say this as well. Mm. Um, I'm a veteran. I'm a gamer. gamer. <laughs> yeah. Or like I like sports or something like that. That is all external. That is all an external kind of identity that mm. has that can't you can't like. You have to confront to find your real self. And I think that's what Sonia was saying was like, yeah, you have always been a white man because you have benefited from it. And you can't just shake that off and say that, no, I'm not white. I'm all these things. That's like distancing yourself with like hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) So when I interrupted her and I said like, is it necessary? Because part of the definition of radical was to change systems, industries, and other things. Yeah. And so in order for anyone to practice radical self-love, it has to be an effort to dismantle those systems. Yeah. And so when we challenge people, and maybe specifically white men, just hetero white men, who are you outside of your hobbies? I don't know if I can actually answer that right I now. I can't either. Okay. At all. <laughs> right? I if you ask me who I am, I think I've I've done more work in this than I guess that shows on the surface. I think I would define myself as like passionate about justice, but that again that still feels like externalized to some degree. I don't actually know what inter- like internal characteristics are. Like yeah. I, yeah. Can words even describe it? Does the English language even have a word for something like that? Yeah. And I wonder if it's more like, are there things that I haven't explored that I really like? Yeah. Are there things like, mm, I don't know, kayaking? I'm not sure, right? Like, I just... <laughs> no, yeah, but, I, I but totally feel define, you. That doesn't even define me, right? Like, if I happen to like kayaking, what does that say about me? I'm not sure. Yeah. I think I have this like word that I've always been trying to accomplish and I've always wanted to be perceived as this way. And I always wanted to be cool. I always wanted to like, so I think me being a musician and like wearing the clothes that I wear and like doing the things that I do, it's only been recently for myself 
Like some of these things have only recently been for me and only me. In the past, I would dress these ways so I can impress other people. I would make music so I could impress somebody. And like I would do all these things for other people because I always wanted to be cool. And you can't call yourself cool. Other people have to call yourself cool. (laughs) Right. And I think that's what I love about this radical self-love thing is like I can't call myself cool because I define what is cool for me. And if I am like thinking of who I am and what I do and it's not even about what I do. It's who I am. And that's the hard part is like distancing what I do from who I am. Yeah, and so because I think men in general are told like you're defined by your actions or actions speak louder than words yeah. or like don't have feelings. Like I think all of that combined is like if I'm told and was told growing up to don't cry and grow some balls, <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't get through grow a pair. <laughs> um, that combination means that when I tamp down my emotions, not just sadness and disappointment and stuff like that, but also joy and happiness. Yeah. I have lost a measurement for what brings me joy. Yeah. And if I lost my measurement for what brings me joy, then I have lost the ability to define myself or who I am. Yeah. And it feels numb. Yeah. And so the first step is to try to rediscover feelings. <laughs> yeah. Which is hard and scary. Oh, definitely. Um, and when I first like started trying, I had tamped things down a lot. And so when I finally like opened this can, it's like that that gag toy with the snakes in it. Yeah. <laughs> the peanut thing. <laughs> yeah. It just like flew all over the place. I was overreacting so much to the smallest thing because I had no barometer for how intense I'm supposed to feel about certain stuff. It like deeply impacted my relationship at the time. And so like the work, we keep calling it the work, like more than ever listening to and talking with Sonia about it, it definitely starts internally. Yeah. And I think like, like tamping down emotions, like going back to me thinking or wanting to be cool. Like when you think of somebody who's cool, in my mind, I think of somebody who doesn't show emotions who has a blank face, basically Ryan Gosling in any movie. Okay. You know, (laughs) he does just like crazy but he doesn't show any emotions. And that's probably why I have the biggest crush on him. But I think like that has really me up in a lot of ways because I, I have wanted to react in certain ways and I've wanted to express myself, but I always thought that wouldn't be cool. And like, I remember like last night I went to this show and I was surrounded by a bunch of people. I went alone. So like, I didn't know anybody there and I, (laughs) I was dressed really like goth and stuff. And everybody was wearing like flannels and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) But um, there are people around me and the music started. and I was just like headbanging and dancing and nobody else was. And I think that was one of the first times that I have just not given a about what anyone else thinks or how they perceive me. And I think there was still a little bit of like, oh, people are think think I'm probably really weird. Hmm. But then I was just like, wait, I don't care. And I was just like this feeling of release. And it was like so cathartic. And I think... Like music is the way I get to that. And there may be other forms or other mediums that other, you know, people get to that. But in that moment, I was I just released everything and I went into the mosh pit and I started like pushing people around and being pushed around and being thrown on the ground. I'm just like, this is fantastic. (laughs) So I just think this feeling of release, like once you get to that point and I don't think I've even gotten to that point yet, but I'm excited for it because I've tasted it. Uh, just a feeling of release of like I can express myself in any way I want and it is for me and only for me hopefully 
Hopefully. Right? Like, because if you don't have a barometer for systems of oppression, I often find that there are some LGBTQ folks who say, like, I'm unapologetically queer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that also means that if you're white, you're unapologetically white. Yeah. And if you're... Which rubs me the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I think us as men in our journey through radical self-love, it will always be like a... Hopefully it's always steps forward, but there might be times where you bump up against something and take a step back because us being unapologetically ourselves, we have to take meaning and take stock of what that means within a society that be- that benefits us all over the place anyway. Yeah. So, yes, we encourage exploration of self and it has to be done in a way that also dismantles systems of oppression, which is super difficult. Yeah. I think humility is a huge part of radical self-love. For sure. Of like, you know, I'm not going to be just <laughs> being myself and not giving a what anyone else thinks and like because that's how I cause oppression (laughs) (laughs) right but I think just this idea of like humility of being like oh this is because I feel like in order to be truly humble you have to know yourself and you have to know who you are and what you bring to the table Mm -hmm. and so I think a great step in like I I mean I'm talking out of my I don't know much about this but I think a step into the right direction is being humble and being like because even like being humble in any sense, you are recognizing a part of you that others may not have or others may be oppressed by. Mm -hmm. So I think humility, like really, because when I first read this book, I was like, this book isn't for me because I'm a white guy and this is for people who have been oppressed their entire lives and they need somebody to say to them, like, it's okay to be you. And then when I started reading it more and more, and then like I talked to Sonia and then for the event, I was like, holy, this is totally for me. This is for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think this is a self-help book. I think this is like a Bible, but um, (laughs) (laughs) when I hear self-help books, I just think of narcissism instantly where I'm just like, you can do it. You're the best. No one else can compare to you. And then this book is like, well, you are you. Just find you. And I'm like, holy, that's like such a it's so fundamental, but so lost. Yeah. And what humility really does, I think, is it situates you within a community. Yeah. Because it's so important to act with community in mind, but also to benefit yourself. Because I think Sonia does talk about how it takes a community to sustain radical self-love because you need people to check you and you need people to love you. And you need like I've always there are people in my life and I feel like I have always operated under this idea that I should give, give and give and give. Oh, yeah. And I think the ideal society, everybody is giving. And so everybody is also simultaneously receiving from multiple outlets. And so that I think is like radical self-love sounds individualistic initially, but it can't exist outside of a community that is also striving for radical self-love. And I think modeling that for men is one of the gateways to starting to develop healthier masculinities and ultimately uh, healthy humans, because the way we're trained as men growing up today is a burying of our true selves, a a dehumanization process. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I've said this plenty of times, part of healthy masculinities, reclaiming our humanity. And this particular book is the most tangible way in which to achieve that. Yeah. I love how short the book is too, because (laughs) Sonia said like, 
it's simple, but it ain't easy. Right. So I'm probably going to be going into this book like probably multiple times and researching more of Sonia's poems and probably looking up more stuff. And like, that's the idea of like self-education, but also it's just like, it is simple and people like (laughs) Sonia basically said to me, this is how you achieve it. Like, this is how you achieve your true self. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, I, I think also expressed a level of fear and not wanting to do it, knowing how hard it has been already. Yeah. And that's where community again becomes important. And that's why I value our relationship so much and other relationships I have with men, because I think we have established a point where we can talk about it and support each other in ways that are understanding and, and like we have traveled the same path when it comes to men. And so I do appreciate you, Peter, and I'm glad that you have, I've seen you grow through this body image stuff, even though we don't know what we're talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more um, than like engaging in incel communities and like that. So yeah. um, thank you for sharing. Uh, I mean, I hope people also appreciate the way that you have grown at, through the last couple of like of the week, basically. Uh, and so, yeah, I hope, hope people actually listen to this. <laughs> yeah, this one will be the one to recommend to other folks. So. But thanks. I, I really appreciate that. And also, I just like, I don't know, I wouldn't be here without y'all. And I wouldn't like, I don't know, because I feel like in order for me to do the stuff that I actually want to do, I have to learn more. And like, I can still like take action and be a part of a community and still like do stuff. But just just knowing that I have a list of things to do (laughs) and going through that list is going to be just complete torture. But for me, at least, (laughs) because I don't think y'all understand how much I hate vulnerability. Yep. (laughs) But um, just like doing small things of vulnerability, like talking about certain things that's going on in my life, even intentional check ins are such like a minimum of vulnerability that has been actually pretty hard for me mm-hmm. and now I kind of look forward to intentional check-ins and I look forward to like when I meet with my coworkers and talking to them about what's going on because I don't know for so long I've been struggling with stuff internally that I didn't I couldn't talk to anybody about or I'd have to pay somebody to talk about and just having a relationship of somebody that like genuinely cares about me and values me and is willing to like love me in a way that gives me feedback, you know, puts me in my place some ways, (laughs) tells me what I should do, but also giving me a choice or like giving me options of what I could do to help. I mean, I've never had that before and it's kind of wild. It's wild. Word. Not wild. It's spectacular. Spectacular. My boss, Elizabeth said one thing that some things up pretty well. And uh, she said, the only way out is through. And my voice kind of cracked. I'm going to say that again. Okay. <laughs> the only way out is through. And that f-ing resonated with me so hard because I'm a slacker and I've always tried to go around. And with this kind of work, I cannot go around. And <laughs> Elizabeth even said, she was like, yeah, it sucks and I hate it, <laughs> but I have to do it. And I'm like, damn, I have to do that too. 
that will do it for the episode of Do You Even Left, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University for even allowing this podcast to happen. Uh, these are, oh damn, I f***ed it up. These are the folks that even allow this podcast to happen. For more information about masculinities, check out menofthemovement.blogspot.com and for, in- God, this is harder than it looks. And for more information about the WGAC, go to wgac.colostate.edu. For more 90.5 KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zavley. Check him out on soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Thanks for listening. Deuces. Good job, girl. Oh, boy. (laughs) 